Good evening. Uh, welcome to uh, SA Soccer Roundtable. Uh, I'm your host tonight, uh, Harry. You can find me on Twitter at Ram and Call. Uh, Royce has stepped out, so we'll introduce Rafa here first. How are you doing, Rafa? Pretty good. How are you, Harry? I'm doing well here. Uh, happy Martin Luther King to everybody here. So we've got a, a, a fun show hopefully planned here tonight with uh, the first editions of Rafa's Power Rankings, which uh, at least for the 6A girls uh, kind of uh, caused uh, some, some issues a little bit, but uh, issues, but, uh, which uh, we're going to give Rafa a chance to explain himself on that. Then we'll also uh, talk with uh, talk about the San Antonio's three players last week and um, the midfield. I think that's kind of interesting because that seems like the first position that's uh, got some depth into it to see how we think it's going to shake out what, two, three, four, five months in before they actually kick a ball here. Uh, Royce has uh, stepped in and joined us. How are you doing this evening, Royce? Doing all right. Um... It's uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, so happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and everybody, uh, hopefully you took a moment to remember some of America's greatness, so doing well, though. So we're going to get started off with um, some exciting news, I think, for uh, for those that have been around uh, this uh, show for what, going last year, at least. Uh, uh, Jonathan Check, who did the pregame show with Royce and me and, and Rafa here. Uh, has joined uh, the Striker Texas. Um, to me, you know, I'm excited for him because it gives him, uh, you know, the ability to write on at least the state level, and I think with this site, probably even on a national level uh, for that here. You know, the Striker Texas will be releasing an app and full website in February. Um, right now, you can go on to www.strikertexas.com. Um, it is being designed as a one-stop destination for soccer in Texas. It's got, uh, you know, Jonathan will be riding with a, a team that includes Chris Bills from Austin, John Arnold from Dallas, and Victor Ariza from Houston that cover the MLS and, and have been covering, you know, those teams, FC Dallas, uh, Houston Dynamo, and uh, Austin FC, you know, for the last year or so um, for that here. So three top quality guys there. Um, also with USL, uh, Nathaniel Mata uh, will be covering RGV. Mark Bay will be covering uh, the Bold. And Joe Rodriguez was announced today as covering El Paso. So uh, to me, I'm excited for Jonathan. Uh, wish you much luck. And, and like I said here, if there's anything that we can do uh, to help you out on uh, from us, we'll, we'll most definitely do that here. Um, and I did reach out to Jonathan. Um, he did say, even then with, you know, with him being upgraded, uh, that he'll still uh, come and visit us every once in a while. So uh, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, thoughts, you guys have any thoughts on the Striker Texas about uh, having a site that's dedicated to the state of Texas soccer style? I know there's probably several football ones here, but what are your thoughts of having uh, one, you know, just uh, in the state of Texas that's going to cover, uh, you know, they've said everything from MLS all the way down to the youth leagues uh, on that here. We'll start with you, uh, Rafa. I think it's a good thing because, you know, yeah, high school football is basically kind of king here in Texas. But, hey, you know, we have some great soccer players and, you know, have come through the state of Texas. So I'm, I'm glad that we're going to have something like that to feature not only from the youth level all the way to the MLS. You know, it's going to feature a lot more exposure for, for the sport of soccer here in the state of Texas. Royce, your thoughts on it? 
That's awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to following the network. I'm uh, really happy for Jonathan. He's done really good. Uh, he's always done really good work um, and on his, uh, his Bluish Moon blog, and I've always uh, followed his work. So I'm really excited for him. I'm excited for the uh, the conglomerate that they're starting. Um, it just sounds great. I look forward to it. The more soccer coverage, the merrier. I like it. Yeah, I'm excited because uh, uh, we got the press release from it, and then uh, they anticipate to have at least 20 writers all on one site. So, like I said, I'll, I'll be interested to see, especially with the app and uh, the website, to, to see what comes next here. But, you know, with the team that they've got out, um, you, know, I, you know, for anybody that's been following soccer in Texas, you know, everybody knows who Chris Bills is, John Arnold and Victor in Houston um, from the work that they do. And um, there's a couple of ladies that are covering the dash as well. Um, I forget uh, their names. I, I didn't write them down. I apologize. Um, but they are going to be covering the men's and women's side here. So I'm excited to that. So next we're going to turn to Rafa, who's going to be the uh, the star of the show here, uh, at least for the first half or so uh, for it here. We're going to start out with the, uh, the 4A uh and taps rankings uh for that here uh do you want me to list them here rafa or do you want sure, to go, right, go, uh, go right ahead and be my guy right. so he has tmi in first uh nb davenport new Braunfels davenport second canyon lake borney geneva fourth uh in carnivore fifth antonian sixth fredericksburg seventh st anthony's eighth uvalde ninth and shirts john paul the second as uh the tenth place team here um you know, you know, I know, you know, we we combined the, the 4A and TAPS here because originally on the list here, um, you only had uh, five for the 4A. So we felt this was a, a proper spot to land the TAPS player, you know, and TAPS teams as well. So just initial thoughts on your first rankings um, and, and any surprises that you think that could come out of this? I'm uh, just surprised at Davenport being a new school they opened up this year. They're, you know, they're at 3-0, and and, you know, I'm sure they're going to have a good season. Uh, Canyon Lake, I know they're make the playoffs the last couple of years. You know, I'm sure they're going to do good things when it comes to district time. I know that district, you know, there's only two 4A districts here in the San Antonio area, but they're going to be very competitive, especially for that, you know, where Canyon Lake and Davenport's at. Uh, TMI, I guess they're the number one team, uh, do, you know, going along in TAPS, doing a great job. I'm sure they're going to get into the playoffs and make a run, make a run at the state championship. So then we're going to do the boys here next for foray. Uh, we got uh, TMI uh, number one, San Antonio Christian number two, Central Catholic number three, Antonian number four, uh, Fredericksburg, Canyon Lake at six, Shirts John Paul the second, seventh, Lavernia, Bernie, and wrapping up with uh, Bandera. So. Um, the top's pretty heavy with the taps here um, when it comes to the, uh, when it comes to the four A taps there. Uh, thoughts on that? And do you give uh, the four A you know the four A public schools uh, you know not, you know think they have the ability to rise up in the rankings, or you think the the top three will uh, command the rankings uh, for the through here? I, I think the one team that thing I think can rise up is Fredericksburg. Uh, the, they've played some some good teams, and I know that year in year out. I know last year they, they had a good run right before the the, the pandemic, but like I guess I like TMI. They're the defend, defending champs. Uh, they're they're going through people, you know, through teams and their and their schedule. So I expect them possibly to repeat again. Uh, San Antonio Christians having a good season. Uh, surprises the Central Catholic. I know I know they lost their their big gun, 
Uh, you know, they went up to the North uh, Texas uh, Showcase. Um, they won one out of two over there. But mm-hmm. I guess you're playing elite teams because that's why they said the North, Sh- uh, North Texas Elite Showcase. So I'm sure they'll bounce back to it once they get into their district play. And I think they'll make another run. Hopefully they'll make, I guess I hope they make another run at the state. Uh, but, you know, Antonio might have to say something about that, you know, because they're in the same district with Central Catholic. Uh, they had a good showing at the uh, at the Northeast uh, Showcase mm-hmm. a couple weekends ago. Um, Canyon Lake's another perennial team that's coming up. And so you can say like this, those top six teams are, you know, are – you're going to be finding it up for that top spot. Next, we're going to have the uh, 5A girls. Uh, Burning Champion, number one. Uh, Alamo Heights, two. Kerrville Tyvee, three. New Braunfels Canyon, four. Veterans Memorial, five. Floresville at six. Southwest at seven. Uh, Lanier at eight. Uh, Legacy at nine. And Harlandale uh, comes in at the 10th spot here. So thoughts on these rankings here. Well, the interesting thing is one through five, they're in the same district. So that's basically, you know, you're, you're talking about the group of death <laughs> as, as far as district-wise for girls soccer here, for 5A here, for that district. It's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a shame that only uh, one of those five teams is not going to be get into the playoffs. You know, maybe one of them was in another district. That would be different. But like I said, the Bernie girls are having a great season. I know they have a big game, uh, big game coming up, I think, tomorrow. Uh, Alamo Heights girls, I don't remember seeing them last year. I'm sure they're reloaded again to do another run. Uh, Kerrville Tyvee surprise this year. Like I said, I'm sure they're, they're going to be contention. Uh, New Braunfels Canyon dropping down from 6A to 5A. I'm sure they're going to be a favorite too. And then Veterans Memorial for the, you know, from the Judson District. You know, they have a lot to say. That's just the sh- with that record they have right now, they're showing that they can hang. So those first five teams, like I said, same district. It's going to be a shame. One of them is not going to be able to get in the playoffs, but there'll be a dogfight. And then we have the other teams for the other districts. Uh, Floresville, first first time coming on the on the, on the rankings. Uh, we have Southwest, who I know they're a favorite for their district. Uh, same thing with Lanier, uh, Legacy, and also then Harlandale is another favorite from their district too as well. So you just to kind of give you a side so because I think 6A also has one like this where it, the deck is stacked. Is there something that you think that UIL can do to maybe try to avoid having these group of death or is it just, you know, it just, you know, one of those times where, you know, five teams, you know, and there's probably even more in that conference that yeah. would be solid as well, but just because they're stacked with five, you know, great teams right now. Well, the, the- well, the one I forgot to mention because they're not a kind of in our area. Um, with those five, you also add Dripping Springs in that district. So there's six teams in that district that are going to be, like I said, fighting for it. And I don't know how the UIL <laughs> carved everything out. You know, to I'm surprised Dripping Springs didn't get pushed up a little bit more north because you also have Seguin in that district. They didn't get pushed more maybe toward the Arts and Austin district. And this would be just such kind of a straight out San Antonio or Hill Country district. Maybe the maybe the next realignment that might change, or maybe student population goes up or down. You know, those those things can come into a factor on the, for the next realignment next year. But yeah, I'm surprised when I saw first saw this you know, the UIO realignment for soccer. I was like, wow, this is going to be one tough district. So, 
Do you know if they base it on like you know, obviously football and basketball? Is that how they normally do this? Yeah, normally they, they do it. it well, well, for football they do it differently because you do have Division One, Division Two, uh, so that doesn't come into play for basketball, soccer, baseball, and on the other sports. Just mainly for for football. But for this, for these sports, you know, you, you're going to be grouped in either with a five A Division One with a five A Division Two team. So it's all going to be. Like I said, like New Bradford's Canyon is like a 5A Division One, and Alamo Heights is a 5A Division Two. So for soccer, it was not going to make a difference. Okay. For the boys on the 5A, uh, Southwest, go Southwest, still undefeated, two years running at this point, knock on wood. Uh, Bernie Champion, number two, uh, Veterans Memorial, number three, Alamo Heights at four. Uh, New Braunfels Canyon at five, Kerrville Tyvee six, Floresville at seven. Uh, Medina Valley at eight, Harlandale at uh, nine, and then Jefferson at 10. What kind of strikes me um, on these is that, you know, especially comparing to the other records here, um, especially at the bottom, you have some teams with 500 or sub 500 records here. Mm. Um, is, do you think that's just because they're playing up, playing the 6A teams at this point? And then when, you know, the season comes back, they'll be playing teams more their level. Or is the 5A boys um, a little weaker, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but a little weaker compared to uh, other area teams, uh, you know, along those lines? It's actually a mixture of both. Uh, kind of looking at the bottom teams, some of the bottom teams were playing, you know, some tougher teams and some of the, you know, with some of the area tournaments or showcases. But also this year, I noticed a couple, you know, during my research, a lot, lot of some of those teams, especially from 28 5A and 20, 29 5A, there were a lot, it was a lot weaker this year. And that's not a disrespect. I said maybe because of, you know, you know, they lost Letterman on their team. Yeah, rebuilding, that's a possibility, or because of COVID. Um, so hopefully maybe that balances out once district, district kicks in. But like I said, at the top, because you have Southwest, and they do deserve that. You could say they are deserving to have that number one spot. But they got to look out for Bernie Champion. They have a history. You know, they've won state before. I'm sure they they have a really good team that's going to make make a run. But they're also in that brutal district with Dripping Springs, Alamo Heights, Burners Memorial. So, like I said, and New Braunfels Canyon. So, like I said, two to two to four, two, three, four, five. Like I said, and six because you also have Kerrville Tyvee. So those five teams are going to be battling it out in that district. I think it was a 20, 27-5A. Uh, Floresville is the first time. Uh, so like I said, they're, so they're, they're an up-and-coming. They're in the same district with Southwest. Um, like I said, Medina Valley, same same district with with um, with Southwest. And that's one thing with Southwest's district. Harlan is no longer there. So like I said, it gives an opportunity for Floresville, Medina Valley, uh, to get into it like a to challenge to see to see if they can challenge Southwest with that district title, and then you have Harlandale with now they're with the, with the SAISD schools, uh, they're in that district, and then you have Jefferson as well with the SAISD schools coming up and then number ten. All right, then we're gonna switch this up a little bit. Uh, we're gonna do six A boys, and then we're gonna wrap up with. Uh, 6A girls, because uh, there was some questions for Rafa on the girls' rankings here. Uh, number one, uh, Clemens uh, for the 6A boys' ranking. Number two, uh, Lee. Three, Harland. Four, Johnson. Five, Brennan. Six, Churchill. Seven, Marshall. 
eight Smithson Valley, nine Taft, and ten Wagner. And I want to apologize when I first uh, put these out here. I had uh, Miss Typo and Harland, and uh, I, I did not put the correct record on for Lee. Uh, so I do want to apologize up front, uh, and we did get that co uh, corrected here for you. But on these uh, rankings here uh, for the 6A boys here, what stands out to you, Rafa? Well, Lee took uh, Lee dropping down, you know, from number one to the number two. Um, they had a really they had a, a a setback over the weekend against Austin Vandegrift. They lost four to nothing. That's a little concerning there because Austin Vandegrift is in Region Four. They're in District Twenty Five Six A, so they made they made a, a statement saying, "Hey, we you know we're going to contend for the for the regional championship to get into state." So. But I think Lee will bounce back from this. Um, they'll still be the favorite to win, uh, you know, 27-6A. Uh, Clemens, like I said, they also went to that Austin showcase. Uh, they did well. They actually got a tie with Lake Travis. That was a good showing there. Uh, you know, obviously, they're going to be the the favorite for, I guess, for 27-6A. For Lee's in 28. Sorry about that. Um, so they'll be a favorite for that district. Harlan's had a good showing. You know, moving up from 5A to 6A. You know, they're doing a great job, you know, with just the one loss to Lee at that Alamo Heights tournament. So I'm sure they're already starting district play. Uh, Johnson, like I said, the perennial team contending every year to get, you know, for the district title and also in the playoffs. Uh, Brennan, a little surprise, you know. You know, I know they made the playoffs a couple years ago, but they're doing a good, you know, they're coming along. They've played some good competition. Uh, Churchill, 4-1-1, one one, playing with all those freshmen. That's going to pay off in the in, in the end because they're getting all that experience, and I'm sure they're going to be a full strength pretty soon. Uh, Marshall seven to two, uh, they're my favorite for uh, for 29. I guess for 29 six A, uh, I think they're going to you know they're going to compete with Harlan for that district title and also with Brennan in the mix. Uh, Spencer Valley at four and zero. I think they're going to. I think that might be going up because I think they just updated their record, so I'm sure they'll probably be going up the rankings. Uh, they did well in their their own uh, showcase up in uh, over there in Smithson Valley, and then Taft, like I said, they're doing well too at five and two, and then you have Wagner at three and one. So then the next one we're going to come back to is going to be the six A girls. Uh, <coughs> number one, uh, Reagan; two, Brandeis; three, Smithson Valley; uh, four, Johnson; five, Clark; uh, six, Madison; seven, uh, Lee; eight, Stevens. Go Stevens! I live near Stevens. Uh, Judson at nine and 10 at st uh, number 10 has steel. So, uh, thoughts on the ladies, and then uh, you know, we'll, we'll address the uh, the questions uh, that uh, came up when we released these. Well, we have Reagan at number one, and they're actually number one in the state according to the state poll that came out, uh, that came out today. Uh, Brandeis, like I said, they're also undefeated. Same district. That should be a good game between those two. They're in the same district. They're going to play twice. Uh, hopefully, I can get a date on the on the date. Head out, watch that game. Um, then you have Spencer Valley. You know, because the only blemish is a tie. Same thing with Johnson uh, and Clark. So you have, like I said, you have Reagan, Brandeis, Johnson, and Clark in the same district, and with Madison and Lee. So you got a really tough district. <laughs> and that, you know, it's like I said, it's going to be like I mentioned before. It's going to be a shame the one team's not going to be able to get into the playoffs because there's only four spots. Um, and then going back to who else did I have on that list uh, after that? Oh, here, I can pull it back up here. Hold yep. on a second here. Um, second here. So you had 
Uh, Clark, Madison, Lee, Stevens, Justin, and Still. Uh, Stevens might be the surprise for now that Clark and Brandeis is out of their district. You know, Stevens could be surprising some people. You know, the Kendani for that 29-6A title. And then Judson, like I said, a big turnaround for them, you know, from last, from last year, this year. So good job, ladies. And then we have Steele rounding up at 5-3. and three. Like I said, I think they're gearing up pretty soon to start playing in district play. So then a couple of questions that popped up. I'm going to do kind of in reverse order because you and I have had this discussion last year when it came to Southwest. Um you know, uh, you know, from uh, soccer coach Lori uh, from Twitter, she says, um, these are really interesting rankings. Strength of, strength of schedule should be considered, not just the record. So last year, you know, I was, hey, look at Southwest. They're undefeated, blah, blah, blah. And you were like, hey, strength of schedule. So can you go into a little bit about, you know, how you came up with these rankings? Um, you know, obviously, you know, you're, you're the high school expert out of the three of us. So here, so just to kind of, you know, kind of give us your, your thoughts and background on how you came up with the rankings and uh, yeah. you know, for that here. Well, strength of schedule is important. Like I said, I did look into that, but also looked at also the state polls. And that's something that you got also, I mean, the state polls are looking the same way. I don't know for the team in question, like I mentioned, they weren't in the top 25. So if you're not in the top 25, so they must be doing something, then me me and them must be agree on something. But that doesn't mean to mean that they won't be getting in the in the you know in the ranking soon. You know, uh, you know, I just took that, you know, you know, strength of schedule is important, but also the record is also important too, because a lot of those teams did play against each other, you know. Uh, but the, what you see right now, especially the top as far as, far as with the top six and the six eight, it's very competitive. You know, but I'm sure things will kind of balance out once we start district play, you know, and we'll we'll see who's the, you know, the head of the pack. But like I mentioned before, like when I used to coach and even with club soccer, as far as ranking, rankings should have mattered. The only ranking that matters is when you win one of these, you know. Come on, it's, under, it's every, you it's, know, everybody wants the, to talk about it. Come on, that's why we put it out. It's like, the, 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 the only, it's like a like. Ricky Bobby, you ain't first, you're last. So <laughs> if you ain't holding that state championship, that's the only ranking that matters. So, but, you know, taking into consideration, like I said, you know, like you mentioned about Southwood last year, they did improve on, like I said, they changed their their schedule. They played a lot tougher teams. And I think, and that's something that, you know, that's helped them. And I think that's going to help them in the, once they get into that playoff run, because they are going to run into some of the Valley teams. And like I said, and, I've been scouting them too. The top dog right now is Porter. They're killing everybody down there. So that should be an interesting match if they do run into the playoffs. But, you know, going back to the, like I said, the rankings, you know, you know, I do con do consider like a, you know, the strength of schedule, the strength of schedule. But like I said, ranking, so the records do matter, but you can say things change. So sometimes you get on a hot streak, you know, you're going to end up in the, you know, you'll end up in the top 10. So I went with the first person, but there were two people that also basically said the same thing. But from Twitter at uh, jbushnail03, uh, she mentioned Clemens tied Lee and split games with Madison and does not make the the top 10. And, and I put the 6A girls ranking uh, for me just to make it simple here. Uh, so Clemens seems to be the hot topic for this week here where um, obviously they've got some good results. Um, they're, they're a quality team. Uh, 
but they did not make uh, the top 10. So we'll give you a chance to explain why Clemens did not make the top 10. Well, look at the state poll. <laughs> look at the San Antonio Express poll. Enough said. I mean, if they're, if they're close, but yeah. They're close, but you're, they're close. As I said, I mean, I do follow the state polls and I do follow the San Antonio Express polls. They seem to agree. They seem to agree with me. So I must be doing something right on the on the, on the ranking. So, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't even demean the team that they're, they're right. not good. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. Like I said, they'll they'll break through. You know, and like I said, some teams start out hot, and some teams end up getting cold. You know, during district play. You know, I've seen that happen before. You know, and I, I remember it happened to me my first year coaching. High school soccer. We lost our first district game, and then we went. We end up winning thirteen games in a row. You know, it's it, it just it happens. So there's nothing like I said to demean any teams or for. Like I said, you know, I like I said I always do my research. I do take consideration as far as you know the class, you know the the record and also the strength of schedule. But I'm sure that's going to change. Like I said, you'll, you'll every. I know last year we had a different. We didn't really had a different poll pretty much every week. Yeah, and, and like so, I said, we're, we're going to do this uh, probably every week or every two weeks, uh, you know, depending on, on the schedule and, and the news that comes out here. Um, the polls are meant just more fun, entertainment value. Uh, like I said here, polls, you know, like I said, you know, you can like them, don't like them, uh, but they're to create conversations and, and they're mm-hmm. to create to highlight the, the, the local schools uh, for that here. But it's all a good fun and um, to me, it creates a, a discussion, which is the most important thing that we're looking for here. Royce, I know you're like me. Uh, high schools is uh, not really uh, our cup of tea uh, for the most part here. Uh, any thoughts on Rafa's rankings or any uh, comments you want to say? I think you have to take, especially this year, especially last year with the COVID situation, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. You don't know who's actually starting their full strength lineup. Who knows if anybody's actually been able to start their full strength lineup. So everything's with a grain of salt, and it really does have to be strength of schedule. It's kind of difficult to tell whenever you don't know what, you know, some teams may be fielding their JV team. Some may have to play freshmen. So strength of schedule is really difficult to judge nowadays, and it really does have to mostly go based off of results. That being said, there is still strength of schedule and you do know the better clubs that are out there, but at the same rate, it really is going to be um, uh, results-based this season, unfortunately. So flipping the, the side here to San Antonio FC, uh, we've got three players to kind of announce. And then I have a, a question here uh, that I would like to ask, um, you know, the two experts here when it comes to, tactics and formations and stuff like that here. So uh, the first player that uh, was signed uh, that uh, uh, SAFC announced last week uh, was the return of Ethan Bryant. Uh, He comes back uh, from Belgian First Division B, uh, 2019 KSV uh, Roselaar, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Um, But between 2018 and 2019, he played 20 games with SAFC. Um, two goals, three assists. Um, he was the you know the first uh, from you know memory selects uh, from the the uh, SAFC ETP program uh, that really kind of laid the foundation that uh, um, uh, Jose and Leo is is coming through here. So thoughts on 
on uh, Ethan coming back? Uh, I mean, I'm excited to have him back. Uh, unfortunately, he did find a European team to go to. Uh, he never really played for them, and then they had to fold because of financial concerns in 2020, which a lot of teams unfortunately had to do. So not through any fault of his own, not bad play or anything. It just the team folded. So that's just rotten luck right there. Um, excited to have him back. Um, he's obviously older. He's probably grown a bit more. He's probably a bit more mature, and that was one of the knocks against him when he played for SAFC was he's not physical enough. He's not, he's not big enough. And now that he's gotten a couple more years, hopefully he is physical enough, he's big enough, and we'll see where he's at. Um, and I think he'll be competing with Ollie Wright and maybe Jose Gallegos for that 10 spot. So we'll see. Your thoughts, uh, Rafa? Uh, it's a good signing, you know, coming back home. Uh, I'm sure the training he got over there in Europe was much different from here. Probably more, more competitive, more aggressive, more physical. So I'm sure that even though maybe he didn't get to play as much, but, you know, it did probably tough him out and hopefully we'll get to see, because I don't think we get to see, you know, the last couple of games that when he did sign, we really didn't get to see him play, you know. Yeah, he played around much. 20 minutes, so they're really yeah, so, enough to, to, base to, to kind of evaluate. Yeah, we're not having much time. So this time now we're going to have a full season with him and I'm sure he's going to do a lot, do a lot of great things and, whether starting or coming off the bench, you know, he's a good, young, hungry player that we do need on this team. So I'm glad that we have him back. So the next player they announced is Chris Lima, who's a midfielder. He was He's 5'10". Uh, he comes from the New York Red Bulls Academy, or not Academy, but the, the system probably came through their academy as well, but he played for New York Red Bulls too. Uh, 2019, he was the second team all USL championship. Um, he was the captain of the Red Bulls uh, for them, uh, Red Bulls 2, sorry. Uh, he played 75 games, 6 goals, 13 assists, um, 161 tackles, 358 duels won, and 96 interceptions. So um, I think from my understanding, he is what they'd probably consider a box-to-box -box midfielder here. So Royce, uh, thoughts on Mr. Lima uh, joining uh, San Antonio FC? Uh, Chris Lima coming is huge. Um, he's a captain for another USL team. And um, New York Red Bulls, too, has had a lot of success um, recently um, in USL Championship. I mean, what, in 2018 or was it 2017 when they won their last one? So uh, that's a top team in this league. And for to get a player like that, that's uh, that's pretty big. I'm surprised they didn't uh, jump them up to uh, – to Red Bulls one because Red Bulls one they just lost Brendan Aronson they're gonna lose. Um, I was trying to look up his name, but I can't think of his name. The other kid um, that's their number ten right now. That's a ridiculous goal scorer, and I think he's only like seventeen. Um, who's probably gonna go to um, RB Salzburg just like um, Aronson, and then probably make the move to uh, uh, Leipzig. But um, that's big. Um, he's a defensive mid. Um, where building up these defensive mids again. Uh, we have two, we have three, possibly we have two for sure. Um, in Lindley and Lima, um, but good, good luck announcers, uh, with that midfield. Um, <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, he's one of the top players in the league. Um, and that's, that's a big signing Rafa. Yeah. He's a great signing for that. He has leadership. You know, he's coming up from a great MLS, you know, system. 
Uh, I think adding more depth to that defensive mid really helps. I think that hurt us actually at the end of last year, you know, especially when we lost uh, Haraval, you know, that was kind of a big piece, you know, you know, when he was in there, he, you know, that was part of that big run that we made and then losing him really kind of threw things off. So I think Marcina's kind of decided to make, to make sure that spot we have quality players. So if someone goes down, we got someone with the same quality that can, you know, step in on that road. So I'm, I'm glad with the signing. You know, so, you know, so some of the signings so far. So hopefully, like I said, this is going to pay off and get us into a deeper end of the playoffs. Absolutely. Next one, it comes from uh, Sounders, uh, Seattle Sounders and Tacoma Defiance. Uh, Justin DeHillen, uh, forward 6'4", uh, played 71 games, has uh, 22 goals, four assists uh, between LA Galaxy 2 and uh, the Seattle Sounders and Tacoma. So another one of the uh, young kids uh, uh, that was on an MLS 2 team that did not get the call up to there. Um, his call to fame that, you know, SAFC and, and others have, have pointed out that uh, he um, is tied uh, for the fastest goal in uh, USL championship history uh, for that here. So, uh, but to me, I like his size, his thickness, uh, you know, along there and, uh, and just kind of reading some of the uh, feedback from the Sounders fans is uh, he's quicker than what you'd think for a guy, his size, um, you know, for that here. So, that gives us two um, two forwards that uh, I would consider, you know, of um, what extremely, you know, six foot plus uh, four here. Because I think uh, was it Patino uh, is also six one six, one, six two somewhere around there. Yeah. So we'll start with you, uh, Rafa, this time here. As far as the Hillen thoughts on him. Well, well, now we're gonna have a real physical forward up front that's gonna be our banger. That's gonna knock people around get up in the air, challenge for, you know, during corner kicks and get that ball in. And like I said, he does have some MLS experience because he was on that Seattle Sounders team that won the MLS Cup. So I'm sure he's going to be hungry. You know, he's got probably something to prove this, this coming season. And and I expect big things for him. Hopefully he can get, you know, about, you know 15 goals or more because that's that's what we've kind of been missing a little bit. We had you know, 12 last year. Yeah, we had 12 last year, but I, I think with him, with his size and his speed, I think he can get 15, and, you know, he's he can knock some people around and get physical, so I'm glad. And then to pair him up, you know, with Padilla, I think we probably have the, probably the two deadliest forwards in the, in the league, you know, and probably the most, you know, physical ones. As far Phoenix, as – Phoenix will be raising their hands on that. Well, Phoenix is physical, but – Phoenix lost swimming, but anyway, let's keep going. Yeah, Phoenix can't win a championship, so they pay all that money for all those players. But, <laughs> prove, us but, uh, like, prove us wrong. <laughs> yeah, money buddies don't buy everything. So, uh, but I'm, I'm excited about him coming in. You know, plus, like I said, it, I was going to take off also uh, pressure off of like you know Gallegos being marked too. You know, I think that'll free up his game. You know, because they're going to have to worry about you know him up front. You know, receiving the ball. Plus, that guy can shoot shoot the ball too. Viking Bob says uh, a proven scorer. Excited about Dylan uh, Royce. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he's it's a big dude, huh? Um, he's going to be very much like he's going to fill the role as like a Lucho or a or a Bailone last season. Uh, just a a big dude. 
uh, Bailona was left-footed. Dylan's obviously right-footed. Um, so that's basically the role he's going to take. Um, uh, I'm excited. Uh, that's what I think we needed more of. We And that's what Lucho really provided last season. And it was something that I had said in the last show we've been missing is a physical forward um, in years past. Um, the only one that I could really think of that was a good holding forward that would distribute was Frank the Tank, and we had him for what, like three three magical months, and then he went back to arena because that dude rules an arena and he knows what he's good at. But um, yeah, I mean, it's something that we got last season, and it's something you you see these big bruising forwards in in uh, in England really succeed in uh, like the like League One or the Championship because you need that holding, you need that physicality, and the Championship's a physical. Um, it's a physical league. Um, we'll see about uh, a big thing that a big thing that this that the Marcina system goes with is a press. Um, I'm not sure if his big body is going to really help him press. I think he's going to be more a, light, a later sub in the game um, to get those crosses if we're chasing a goal, um, if we're chasing a win, um, or maybe we just need a big dude up there just to go against their center backs because they're knocking Gallegos around and we just need a dude to, to be physical as well. But I think uh, Patino uh, is going to be um, uh, the starting um, forward, and that's just because we saw all those highlights of him going back and helping in the press, and that's really big in the Marcina system. But uh, Dylan, a good signing, big bruiser. Yeah, we need that. So my question, because in midfield currently we have six. We have Leo Torres, Ollie, Wright, Cam Lindley, PC, Ethan Bryant, and Chris Lima. And I believe you guys toss in uh, Jose Gallegos as well into the mix there for that here. So uh, we'll start with you. Um, we'll, well, which one of you wants to start first as far as? I'll, I'll, I'll go because I, I, I have a point. I have a big point here. Um, not not to step on anybody's toes, but um, pre-show we were discussing formation. Um, is Marcina going to stick with the three-five-two, or is he going to change in some way based on the players that he's signed? Um, one of the things that we discussed was a possible back four. The issue is we don't have a left back signed. Well, I realized. We have a left back signed, and that's PC. PC played left back for the Vancouver Whitecaps, so we do have a left back signed. So you have you could have PC on the left, Maloney on the right, two center backs, and you could go with the four three three, which I think would be really helpful in this um, uh, with this lineup that we have. You could have uh, Cam Lindley and um, uh, Chris Lima as the two um, double pivot midfield. You can have. Ollie right in front of him as the three, or Ethan Bryant could be the 10. And then you can have three up front, which that's where Leo, that's where Jose, and that's where uh, either Patino or um, or Dylan could be. So, I mean, that could shape up based on the signings now. Or you, know, you could stick with the 3-5-2, uh, uh, and PC could just be the left winger. Can you imagine that? how physical that guy is on the left wing and how – Right backs are not going to want to go against that dude. That's going to be insane. How many yellow cards would he get as a left back? <laughs> not, not as many, not as many because he will not be in the midfield and he will not have to cover for 
Pirano and Gallegos pushing forward and emptying that bucket. Um, and he's got the speed to go up the flanks too. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's got buckets of speed for sure, for sure. Would you uh, would you would you lose a lot in the middle moving him out to the side? That's why I think they brought in Lindley and they they brought in um, Lima, two yeah, of the Cam top and Chris, six, yeah, or Cam and Lima, yeah, two of the top sixes in the league. Mm-hmm. I think that's why they may have brought him in because they're thinking we'll have PC out. He's not going to be in the mid, but at the same time. And also, not to, not to say anything bad, but you brought it up. PC accumulates a lot of yellow cards in the midfield. Maybe if he's out wide, it doesn't accumulate much, and he's not as much of a um, – I don't want to say a liability, but mm, liability because he was suspended for a couple matches last season. Well, Even he's suspended one, and he set out a couple of matches, I think, so he doesn't get that second, exactly. yeah. get that, that second card, yeah. That and can you imagine if last season was a normal season, how many games you would have? <laughs> so, um, but at the same rate, I love his play. I don't want anything to change about his play. It was great. He covered more ground than anybody should, and he was very successful at it. Um, and I think that's going to be something interesting to see if if he's the answer to replace Blake Smith, who retired. Because then uh, you could leave Maloney on the same on the side that he was, and yeah. you don't have to go. Re- I'm on the right. Yep, exactly. And he was a. That was the point I was going to bring. If they do go back to the three-five-two, does he PC takes uh, Blake Smith's spot exactly. with Maloney on the other side, and then you have Lima and Lindley, yep. and, and the center mids, and then maybe have Gallegos as the attacking mid, yeah. or or Either Ethan or Gallegos. So you can have Ollie Wright. You can have Ethan there. I think it's most likely going to be Ethan in the middle. He's more the midfielder. You think? And then you'll have Gallegos. I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to start. No. I just don't see him. As a, I, I think for me, I think Leo's from everybody that that I've heard and from what SAFC's kind of hyped here a little bit. I think this is Leo's year. If Leo's going to take that step, it's got to be this year because this is his, technically his third year with on, on the first team uh, of San Antonio FC. The first year he was injured, he was signed. He was supposed to be splitting between the academy and training, but he got hurt. Look out! I'm gonna call a timeout. He's 17, dude. It's not a make it or break it here. He's no. 17. Let's call it. I don't take that. I don't see. I don't see Leo as a starter. The US youth team. I don't I think he's a starter. Either. I think he's going to be. He's he's depth and he's really good depth. He's very good on the left wing, and he's 17 now. He is filling out. He's he's hitting his last growth spurt. It's the same thing with Ethan. He's going to be more physical. He's going to be more in the mood for um, for this kind of physical play in the USL Championship. So I think that's. I think he's going to. It, I think it's going to be his breakout year. Not in it's it's time. No, I think it's his breakout year because he's finally going to match the physicality and the maturity of the league. And we well, don't. Here's know. my friend seven. Yeah, here's here's. My, I guess I can envision my front seven. I mean, we can have uh, Patino and and uh, Dylan, Dylan up front, uh, attacking mid uh, Gallegos, mm-hmm. and then uh, Lindley Lima at the at the defense holding mids, and then PC on the left, Maloney on the right, and then Doyle center back, and then well question mark on the two other on the Bermuda part of the Bermuda Triangle defense. But yeah, how I is think that's 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 how I kind of envision what maybe our starting lineup is going to look like. So if you do put PC in the back with him and Maloney, how are they on crosses? Because I think the advantage of having 
Batino and and Dylan and, and Dylan up top is the crosses. Um, and like with Coach Powell, I think we finally got some height up top. Where if you did the crosses in, you got somebody that can get to it. Right. Um, with, with having the, the the wing backs that we have, or you know, that we're talking about here, how do you think that works with their ability to cross and stuff like that? Malo- I mean, we saw it last year with Maloney. Maloney likes a cross. He's he puts in quality service. Um, he even puts one that can get deflected in by a center back. Uh, if you remember that goal. <laughs> Uh, was it? Oh man, was it Gorski that scored it? But but it was uh yeah it was a purposely shot wide uh, rebound off a corner kick that Maloney put right at a center back's foot and they deflected it like a hockey style in the middle. But no, uh, Maloney, he's good at crossing. PC, I I'd have to go watch Whitecaps highlights if I'm honest. Um, he can switch. He's we saw him switch the field a lot. Um, so, I mean, maybe that's it, but I haven't seen him actually cross a ball um, in, in, the, in the checkers. So, so Viking Bob 69 mentioned that need PC in the middle. He's the physical presence. Uh, thoughts on the physicality that brings in. We've kind of hinted at the yellow cards being kind of hit and miss, but that physicality in the middle, uh, thoughts on that? Have you seen Lindley and Lima? They're oh. giants. We're not going to lack in any sort of physicality. Yeah, those two guys are going to. The other two guys are just as, just as aggressive, just as hard nosed, and they're they're just as enforcers. That's what you have now. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I I think. As far as other signings, I guess in the near future, like I said, I think we're still. There's a couple of other pieces still missing. I think we still need a back line. We still need a back line. I think Ollie Ollie can play, you know, uh, on the wing or even he can play him up top because I said, because we've seen him play at St. Mary's, he's very versatile. So you can utilize his speed on the wing, or even the same spot where Gallegos is at, is that, you know, that attacking mid. He can even, I think he can can plug him in there too because he's going to go ball side and kind of. You want him isolated because he can, he can play and dribble with the ball, kind of exactly. what we want to do with Gallegos. So exactly. it's so now we have have we have little better options, especially when we make substitutes. It's it's going to be like I said, and then hopefully, like I said, Leo steps up this year and he gets his opportunity. Um, I mean, like I said, he still has time to develop. It's not a exactly. big rush. Exactly. So yeah, at seventeen, unless unless some teams really wants him, that. Once to sign him, you know, he, then he does really need to step up. But I mean, I think Ethan, he still has time. Ethan went to Europe when he was eighteen, so I mean, guy uh, Torres still has at least another year of same with SAFC developing and getting mm-hmm. that because that's really what's gonna help his game. He's already fat. He's fast as hell already. He's great on the ball. The thing that's gonna help him is gonna be his size and his physicality, and that just comes with age. That's nothing. That's gonna. That's that's nothing. It's just gonna hit. It's gonna yeah. hit one, and that's just a natural thing. So something that I did want to bring up um, to you guys, um, going with the lineup, is there are still six players, seven, but I'm gonna count six. Six players that were on SAFC's roster last season that are still available this season. Which ones of these guys do you do y'all want to bring back? And that's Haraval and Partain, and those are the midfielders. Um, on the back line, Gorski and Yarrow. Uh, right back, Kai Green is still available. 
and Bailone is still available as a forward. I'd probably bring back Yarrow. I think yeah. I think Yarrow, the center back. Agreed. And the leadership if you've got him between two taller center backs, I think he works very well now. He's a great um, communicator. That's one thing that um, the first season I didn't really hear him talk a lot, and he but he made up for mistakes. I think he didn't talk a lot because he was out of breath because he made up for people's <laughs> mistakes. People would go forward. I'm not going to say who or what, but they would go forward, and they just leave him by himself, and he would have to cover like and he would just be out of breath pretty much the entire match. But, uh, and, but last season you heard Yarrow yell at people. You heard them talk about assignments. That's the leadership we need, and that's what I'm expecting from Lima as well which will be huge. So, Rafa? I think Haravos would be a good signing, too, to add more depth on that defensive mid. Him, uh, Yarrow would be another one. Um, Baloney would, like I said, we're still missing a, another forward. Yeah. I think Baloney would be another, you know, or if they're going to go away from that direction, you know, bring in something, another quality forward that can back up our two up front. You know, you know, you're now you're probably wanting to add pieces just in case injuries or cards. But I think what we the difference between last year and the years before is last year we had a bench, and yeah. that was the, that was a big difference. Well, we had a manager that knew how to use a bench. Yeah, well, that we too. had we had a bench before, but uh, we didn't we didn't uh, we didn't have a coach that could do it, could, could use it properly. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, no, no knocks against Powell. I think uh, what Powell really wanted to do is he wanted to get an attacking lineup. And I think that's what, that's kind of what doomed him from the beginning is that he went out there and he said after 2017, he was like, okay, I'm going to put the most, um, Going to put the most attacking lineup I could possibly think of on the field. It's going to be fun. It's going to be offensive. And there were holes everywhere. Um, and that was kind of his undoing, unfortunately, is, I mean, you had a midfield that all they wanted to do was go forward. And then when they had assignments back, oh, there's nobody there. There's two guys. And that's why I said Yara was always out of breath is because the midfield would empty out. There would just be this huge hole. And then you had two, maybe three guys back. It would be Kai. It would be, and sometimes Kai would have to go up to try to attack. That wouldn't work. But typically, you'd have Kai, you'd have Yarrow, and then you'd have whoever the other center back was, and they would just get. I mean, it's tough when you only have three guys, and, and they're they're off to the right. You just get killed on the left. But um, yeah, I saw I, I saw I saw Jack's tweet. So Jack Seven, who's um, watching from SAFC uh, family, SAFC uh, family with Sunderland. Yeah, up the uh, oh, Hawaii the lads. That's it, Hawaii the lads. I know uh, a certain uh, certain Newcastle contingent is going to be upset that I said that. <laughs> We're all family here. Um, hey, if you buy him, what is it? Uh, what's his drink? Jaeger, Jaeger, Jaeger. Yeah. You buy him some Jaeger, he'll forgive you. We know who we're talking about, but I think honestly, um, I got rid of my paper. Um, you I think it's your whiteboard. <laughs> it's it's in the mail. I, the po let's not talk about it. That's political. Um, but Bailoni would be a good signing for sure. We need another forward and his left foot and his size. You 
you can't buy that. And he was fantastic last season when he was in. Um, I think Kai as a backup right back, you're going to need that. So you'll have, you know, you have Kai, you can have PC, and then Maloney can switch on either way. That's kind of what we had last season. That's not a bad thing to have. And you have Maloney and Kai Green, the two guys, the, the two other Ironmen besides, um, oh, don't forget his name right now. Um, oh, my goodness. Left back forever for SAFC. What am I doing? Help me uh, out. Oh, my God. He's a banker now. Come on. Oh, I can see his face. This Cochran. Hurts. Thank you. Thank you. Greg Cochran. Exactly. The other Ironman. It was Maloney, Green, Cochran. Cochran's obviously retired. He has a – I'm jealous of his life now. He's, he's looking <laughs> amazing. Hi, Greg. Um, but, you know, Green and Maloney, those would be two great signings. Um, and then, obviously, Gorski and Yarrow. Gorski is a great leader. Yarrow's a great leader. You can't go wrong with both of those in your uh, in your back line. So, uh, Rafa, my question to you with Haraval is where would he fit with the players we've already signed? I think the same place. I mean, we yeah. can rotate them. We can rotate depending on matchups because, you know, he'll match up better with some other, you know, with other teams. And that's what, that's the kind of the, the convenience we need to have because, you know, look, look what happened this past season. When he went down, our defense kind of went down, and then we started putting people that weren't really – They started playing Bravo yeah. in the field, and then that just left that empty when they try to go dribble. And Yeah. So it, it's good to have, have you know, some depth there because that's that's going to anchor us as far as, you know, really the defense, really, you know, even though we have Dole on the back. Um, yeah. my, my thing is who do we add as far as part of the two the two other defenders – you know, who, who else is out there that we can really solidify, you know, can we get Montgomery back, you know? No, he was Minnesota. I mean, we may be able to get him on loan. They're pretty stacked in the back. Minnesota United is one of the better teams in MLS now, believe it or not. Um, and uh, and their, their back line really is stacked. So, I mean, they could look to – and we already have a history of loaning from Minnesota United mm -hmm. uh, with um, – why am I – I'm forgetting everybody's name. St. Clair. Uh, thank you. Saint Saint Clair. Clair. Yeah, exactly, last season. And so, I mean, I, I, I would not be surprised if that's also in the talks is to try to get Callum back. Do you think we get players on loan? Is a position you want to have that's getting pulled back and forth? We'll see if that happens. I mean, the only reason um, St. Clair was even sent back to um, uh, Minnesota is because they went through uh, three other games. Andrew, yeah. He was the fourth. And I mean, who saw that coming? And that's why yeah. he was supposed to still develop. And then he went and did that in, in the playoffs. And he, he he's a starter. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the – if they're if the back line for Minnesota United gets hurt enough, then maybe um, uh, he gets called up. But I mean, maybe they are looking for another loan. Uh, at the same rate, um, uh, you're talking about Haraval. What position would he um, go in? I see Haraval very much as a Weston McKinney type, um, just a destroyer in the midfield. And at the same rate, he will he will do he will make a, a late run on you. And he'll go score a goal every once in a while. That's that's really what he does, and that is that that's a big thing in this league. Um, if if you can pull that off, 
but he's really good, really physical in the midfield. And I would, I think it would be great to have him back. Um, I, I'd like to have all six of them back. That would be, that would really solidify um, the midfield. That would solidify everywhere, really. Maybe sign another. Keep the chemistry. Yeah, exactly. You bring those guys back, they have a history. So. Be... You know, we're just adding the right pieces. I think now do we, do you, question to you guys, do you think we go through the loan route? Do you see us getting uh, players on loan? I do. Yeah, like, what, 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 what areas do you think? I, I see we probably get, for me, I think we get a goalkeeper on loan. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, that's probably what's going to end up happening. Uh, that's kind of what happened, if you remember, in 2017 with uh, Lee. Um, Lee was supposed to be the backup to Cardoni. And then they brought this dude in um, just kind of as a professional tryout in uh, in camp. And they decided to, um, they decided to sign him, and that was uh, Diego uh, Restrepo. So that's kind of how that started. And that's probably the same thing that's going to happen. Is they'll get kind of a guy on a flyer, be like, "Yeah, bring him. We'll see what happens." And then he impresses, and they're like, "Yeah, all right. Well, this is what's going to happen." So, um, I agree with you. I think goalie. I think forward, and I do think they're going to have a, a defend. I think there's going to be at least three loans, probably from from MLS coming down at least. So right now the roster's at 13. I think they're going to want to. I don't know if they're going to go to the full 25. I think they'll probably get three or four academy kids, so they'll probably have a 21 person. 21, 22, yeah. Um, roster um, that are actual you know, professionals. And the reason I think that is obviously the COVID, COVID budget is a little lower than it was, although the Spurs are surprisingly looking amazing. So hopefully – anyway, let's not go there. Oh, they also came up with a Fiesta jersey, so I'm sure all the money they made from those Fiesta jerseys, which are well, – um, I'm sure they does can they, – Does SAFC uh, come up with a Fiesta jersey? Yeah, well, I I got yelled at on Twitter that I was like, "How about SAC comes up with one?" And everyone's like, "They had one. It was a warm up. Here's Pirano in it." And I'm like, "Okay, thanks for that. <laughs> a warm up. Come on. Maybe go. They can go to the, the Club America one. You know, that, that I would third jersey. The, the one you need your coloring <laughs> pencils for. <laughs> looks like uh, the kids that tattoo their face. That's what that jersey. Yeah. Looks like. um, <laughs> but uh, no. Um, it would be cool to have like an like a Fiesta themed away jersey, but that really wouldn't explain anything. We'd just be in like old Spurs colors and away jerseys, and I'm sure people are like, yeah, what's that? But we'll see what they do. I'm interested. Well, I, I don't get a new now. kit. Yeah, a new the away kit yeah, is yeah. a new kit for yeah. this year. So, yeah, but that's all probably going to be all white. So I can see us getting a third. I could a third with Fiesta yeah. colors on it. Yeah. Uh, what I could see uh, happening, honestly, with the away jersey is just a black and white checkers jersey like they have. Just take out the red, put white, there's your away jersey. I wouldn't doubt if that happens. Here, here's the problem with the roster and with the kits discussion at this point is we don't, number one, we don't know when the season's going to start, <laughs> what the format's going to be, and yeah. how long it's going to be. So if it's, if it's going to start in May and end in you know, October, November-ish, you're not looking, unless you're cramming a bunch of games in, you're looking at a a shorter shorter schedule. So I think that's where, as far as for the team buildup, I think a lot of that's going to have to do with how how long the season's going to be. Is it going to be short, compact, uh, you know, a a sprint, or is it going to be more of a traditional marathon like a normal season? 
Are they, yeah, exactly. Are they going to do the exact same thing as last season where it's kind of a bubble, just a regional, and then you go out from your region? Are you actually going to play the entire division? How are they going to, yeah. There's a lot of questions, obviously, to be answered, and that's the obvious. The fun of it is just speculation. Yeah. So we we're already at an hour, so you know, I wanted to hit a couple of things here for USL News. Uh, probably the big one was North Carolina FC dropping to USL League One after saying, hey, they weren't going to come back. And then, of course, their coach, uh, Dave Sakarian, uh, uh, stepping down. Uh, so thoughts on a fellow NASL team under Carolina Railhawks going from NASL to USL Championship now down to USL League One. At least they're not folding. So that's that's my positive. That's a that's a deep pool. The Railhawks. I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> um, I, I'm not surprised. I'm sure they're not going to be the only one. I'm sure there's going to be more clubs that are going to go down, um, and that's just finances. I, I mean, think they're an MLS casualty as well because they were pushing for MLS, and unfortunately, and Charleston or Charleston, Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte uh, Char you know uh, the. Uh, yeah. Oh. Charlotte United or Charlotte FC or yeah Charlotte FC but they're the uh, Carolina Panthers the owner uh, is oh, the yeah. one that got the uh, NFL money got the rights as opposed to the soccer guy but uh, it's a separate discussion um, yeah uh, that's mm, <laughs> less. Um, but uh, no like I said I'm not surprised and and like we were discussing earlier Ethan Bryan's club um, KSV folded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They folded as well, so it's not just an MLS thing; it's all over the world. Yeah, uh, or, or USL or NISA or along those lines, right? Because exactly. also the Cosmos are uh, allegedly, well, rumored to be up for sale, and also not playing NISA uh, NISA Spring either. So, uh, is you know the the coronavirus is, has impacted quite a bit, and thankful that uh, SAFC is still around and uh, still going strong. Two player uh, movements, uh, one, uh, and they're kind of different. Uh, we'll start with the positive. Tulsa uh, signing Jerome uh, Kaisenwetter, uh, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced uh Starred in Phoenix, moved to Atlanta United, had some moments for him um, in signing with Tulsa. So I think that's a big signing. The other, Junior Flemings, uh, had the uh, unfortunate incident in San Diego. Uh, signed with Birmingham Legion. Um, I will say Birmingham did do their homework, uh, reached out to Martin of San Diego and, and everybody involved, and, and everybody gave the blessings. Uh, but thoughts on those two uh, those two moves? Uh, I think they're two pretty two two star players, two proven goal scorers. Uh, one most likely, well, I think Tulsa's going east with Oklahoma City this year, based on the teams that have dropped and no longer here. Um, but of course, we got to see if that's proven out. So hopefully, both of these go east and we stay west. Uh, but thoughts of uh, Flemings and uh, Kieselwetter? Rafa, good. Um, Rafa's like, I got nothing, man. Nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. I got it. I got it. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, Kieselwetter came from uh, Germany. Uh, he played in the Bundesliga and the in the Bundesliga two. Um, and he was one of those USMNT players that I followed. It was exciting to. Oh, uh, I said the wrong. He didn't play for Rising. He played for El Paso. Yeah, right played for El Paso. Exactly. Sorry, That's what I was going to say. He um, lost his contract in Germany. He came to the US um, and he played for El Paso. And he was pretty good for El Paso on the left wing. Um, and then um, uh, 
now he's with Tulsa. Um, so we'll it's see. Uh, <laughs> Tulsa's going to be tough. Tulsa's shaping up. They've had some resignings. Uh, I, I think they're going to – they're not the Tulsa of old. Uh, this is Tulsa that's – uh, is is going to contend, and you know they gave SAFC everything last year. Yeah. Um, and well, that new ownership is really, really doing something. I guess yes, they're, they're really taking it serious. That's exciting. You know? I'm really happy for them for sure. Although the other, the other big news, uh, you know, uh, Hartford signs a head coach, Harry uh, Walting, uh, 31 years old, coached at West Ham and Chelsea, or you know, through their systems. But the interesting fact, and this is probably where question for you here, Rafa, he got his B license at age 18 and his A license at age 26. And of course, uh, you know, if, if you want to listen to a great interview with him, uh, Nutmeg State had a great interview. They actually got, were able to get him before he got onto ESPN and stuff uh, for that here. But to me, the interesting thought about him is being at, at, at 26 to already have his A license. How big of a deal is that in being 31 years old in control of a USL championship team? Thoughts on that, Rafa? I know this is probably a little bit more in your uh, your avenue. Yeah. Was it the USFF or was it the UEFA? UEFA. Over in England. Yeah. Yeah, he must have started very early to coach. He did. And so um, that's great on him to get that. I wish I had that. <laughs> I had a big, big, big club back me up to get those licenses. So. But, I mean, you're coming from two big clubs that have a lot of experience of one Champions League and so forth. So you got to – and then you're going to learn a lot from that those systems. So I can see why they, Hartford made that move, and it's probably going to be – you know, hopefully that – I mean, it pays off for them because they're in the Eastern Conference, and not, we don't have to worry about them until we get to the final. But, I mean, it's good for them, you know. And I'm sure, I'm sure if he does well, I wouldn't be surprised him – you end up coaching, mm -hmm. yeah, getting going back or coaching an MLS team, you know, being you know, like like recently, like the like Neville's coaching now in Inter Miami, moving her from the from the women's uh, English women's team to that. So I can see him maybe moving up if he does have a successful season with Hartford. Um, or, like I said, like you mentioned, go back. So it's 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 interesting. Like I said, I, I like to get in touch and say, hey, how, how, how can I get my UFA license? Well, I think there? for me, the reason why I thought it is, is I don't think that's possible here stateside through U.S. soccer. Oh, no. I don't think it's, it's, it's a lot of money. The thing is how much money you have a license. But if you have the money, I don't think they give the opportunities like they do over over in Europe. And I think that's the, well, the big issue. The big, the big thing, the big issue when it comes, and maybe that's a topic for later on, you know, when it comes to licenses, you know, you know, if you're not part of, you know, part of a big club, you know, usually the club pays for it. If you're not part of a big club, you know, you can't really advance, you know, to get those licenses like the the B or the, the C, B or A. You know, I think really U.S. soccer should really kind of reconsider. I know you need you do need to pay to those trainers to get you ready for that, but you know, I think if you want to get better quality coaching here, you know, kind of lower the kind of you know cut the price a little bit because I was like, even for like a sea line, this is over 1500 bucks. Yeah. I mean, who has that money? And then also later. the time. And then you have to give up almost like two weeks, you yeah. know, and no one really has is like 15,000 in it. Like something yeah. insane. Yeah. I mean, I understand they don't want to get, you know, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry to get a certain license and so forth and then not be able to use it right. But still, you know, 
I think that's I think that's what hurts you as soccer. I think UEFA may do things differently, but I guess because it was part of a system from a, a, the European teams that they like I said they entrusted it in. You know, maybe that's not something I need to research in how they do their licensing compared to ours. You know, what's the big difference? But that's you know, I guess for another topic in the future that we can discuss. Right. On that. But you know, that's interesting, like I said, for him to make make that quick. He must have been studying a lot. <laughs> so we're gonna give you all this money for these licenses, you better pass the exam. Well, I think he found out at a yeah, at an early age that obviously he loved the game. But he didn't have the skills exactly. uh, to do it, and he was smart enough to be able to turn it into coaching and, and develop on her. And interesting to the uh, to the interview, his wife is actually plays for one of the uh, plays for the one of the women's teams over in, in Europe, and plays on the, their country's team. So it was a, it was an awesome interview. If you get a chance to check out Nutmeg State, um, you know, I just you know to me it was an interesting interview. Uh, with with the young coach that that uh, you know for that here, but uh, Royce, your thoughts before we get into final thoughts. I was going to say two points real quick. Uh, we just kind of went over real quick. It was a whole Junior Flemings um, episode last season. Um, I really hope that all is forgiven in that. I hope he's reconciled with everybody because it was offensive. It was offensive to. I should have been offensive to everybody. That language is just it's not acceptable anymore. Um, and uh, and I hope everybody's gotten past it. You have to be a bigger person to get past that. And and I hope everybody has. Uh, that was that was controversial, and it really made the league look bad. And I really hope everybody gets past it. But what I really hope is that uh, reconciliation has been actually seeked instead of just brushing it aside. I hope there was actual um, uh, repent on it, and uh, everybody moved on from there. And the same thing you're talking about the young coach. Um, if you look at Julian Nagelsmann, who's a coach for RB Leipzig, he's like 32. Like he's a year younger than me, which is embarrassing. Um, <laughs> what have you done with your life? Yeah, nothing, obviously. But um, yeah, uh, the younger coaches, it, it, it is a thing in Europe. Um, and uh, and then also older coaches are because you still have somehow uh, Uncle Roy is still coaching like what, 80? For uh, for Crystal Palace, insane. Uh, Roy Hodgson. Well, DC United just hired a coach, right? That's in the thirty. Yeah, he he looked young. Yeah, he looked young. I have no idea who it is. I think he's thirty one or thirty two, somewhere around there. There you go. Well, he was yeah. just announced today, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he, well, they said that get, and then they said no, and they're like, okay, well, I guess we got to get this guy because I know they're trying to get Ozil, but the coach they're trying to get, um. Yeah, or the uh, old uh, He's thirty-eight. He moves yeah. from uh, Belgian uh, beer shot, Belgian side Bill shot. He becomes the youngest manager in MLS with this appointment at age thirty-eight. There you go. And he's an Argentinian. Of course he is. Of course <laughs> he, he could fit here in San Antonio. Just like Solari. So, my final thought with it being Martin Luther King Day. Um, I went through, and especially with the times that we have with the uh, presidential election past us with the uh, swearing in uh, Wednesday here, um, I thought this was a quote by Martin Luther King, uh, King pardon me, that uh, is very appropriate at this point here where we have before us the glorious opportunity to inject a new dimension of love into the veins of our civilianship. Um, I think at this point here, 
there's a lot of craziness. There's a lot of divide, but I think at the bottom of the, of, of, at the end of the day, we're all Americans. And if we can take a look at this and saying, Hey, let's hit the reset button and try to move forward both, you know, on social media, you know, when we get back to interacting in, you know, face to face and your work spot, just, you know, kind of have it, you know, hit the reset button. Um, you know, we're all, you know, we all love each other. You know, it's just a matter of being able to come out and express it. And um, even if you have different views, if you really probably sit down and have a conversation, they're not that far off. You know, it's just, you know, you have lean one way, the other person leans another way for that here. So I thought with it being Martin Luther King Day, I thought that was a great quote for the time that we're in at this point here. Uh, Rafa, your thoughts? Uh, same thing, like I said. Or your final thoughts, I guess I should say. Part final thoughts, um, like I said, just make sure we just follow the message with Dr. King, what he envisioned, and, you know, hopefully we can get to that point, soon, you know, in the near future. Uh, I think we will. You know, we'll overcome a lot of things, and, We'll get back to normal and be the, the great country that we are, that we are, you know, like I said, we're founded by immigrants and different people from all walks of life. Uh, we'll, we'll get, we'll get back to the way we were, you know, in the, in the past few years. And then uh, other thoughts, like I said, looking forward to some, some games. I think a big one is going to be Lee. I think Lee versus Central Catholic should be an interesting game on Friday night, 7 PM at Coma Lander. So check it out. Like I said, hopefully I get a chance to go over there, maybe even live stream it, and then we'll see about the rankings next week or two weeks or, or something that, that could change. And then you know, just and then the best thing is, my last thing is stay safe out there. But you know, with COVID, you know, it's you know creeping back up, especially the players. You know, be safe. You know, we don't want the season to get canceled. You know, we do. You know, we want you guys to get through it and finish the season. And hopefully, we do get a state champion this year. And you know, prayers to everyone else that maybe are fighting COVID right now. Prayers to you guys, and you know, we'll get we'll get through this. You know, we just got to stay strong. Royce, your final thoughts? Uh, I mean, just continue with uh, with Dr. King. I mean, his famous quote: "Darkness cannot drive out darkness; only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate; only love can do that." And that's kind of where we're at now. We need love to push out the hate. Um, same rate, uh, just continuing what Rafa said. Looking forward to soccer. I don't know when USL season is going to start, um, but we'll see. It's exciting to speculate. Um, I invite everybody, everybody who wants to and feels aggrieved by Rafa's rankings, for <laughs> sure keep jabbing him and sharp sticking him and giving him guff about him. <laughs> it makes it so much more fun to see him squirm a little bit to see. Um and then lastly, just like Rafa said, man, be careful, wear a mask, socially distance, wash your hands, please be safe. We just lost a family friend this weekend, um, and uh, actually two, three, actually, I was just uh, in a virtual, is my the first virtual funeral I was in because a family member passed away. Um, it's not fun. Um, just, it, it's simple to be safe. Don't be irresponsible. Now's not the time to go out. Um, and kids also be safe, man. And just let's watch out for one another. Numbers are up. There is three deaths today, 1,500 new cases just in Bear County, 10,000 new cases in the state of Texas. Well, we're crossing up 400,000 in the United States. So but let's be safe. Let's onward and upward. Let's make this year a good one. 
But so, we have to stay safe in the beginning well, to make the end of it good. We can't end the show on a negative, and we can't end the show uh, or Danielle would kill us. Um, the U.S. women's national team in probably about 45 seconds will have defeated uh, uh, Columbia 4-0. Uh, so their return to the pitch uh, has looked productive. Uh, I think I saw a shot, you know, that they had, what, 21, 22 shots on goal, and Columbia hadn't had any. So um, had it on in the background. Um, nothing really – it was, you know, U.S. women's team is as dominant as ever. But, uh, you know, want to thank everybody for tuning in and especially the par uh, participation with the uh, Rafa's rankings. I think that'll uh, – uh, even though we give Rafa a little bit of grief, I think that's a welcome addition uh, to uh, what's going on in the world and it gives a great uh, talking point here. And Clemens girls, go kick ass. Um, but uh, we're going to end the show just as we always do. What's life without goals?